Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Blind Shots Podcast. I'm your host, David Hill, coming to you as always from Lexington, Kentucky, and this is short game session number 11. Thoughts on a wild club championship week that included breaking a driver, playing for keeps with a five wood, a great old course, and nerves before a driver fitting. First, a quick reminder that the Blind Shots Podcast is a proud member of the Talking Golf Network shows, which you can find over at TalkingGolf.com. You can see the entire portfolio. Please do go over there, and you'll find some of the best podcasts in golf. You can interact with this show on Twitter at BlindShotsPod. You can find my writings online over at OneBeardedGolfer.com. And as always, there will be links to any pertinent matters in the show notes, which you can find uh, here or on the blog. So check those out. A reminder that this podcast is sponsored by me and only me. In addition to playing, talking, and writing about golf, I'm a licensed Kentucky realtor with Rector Hayden Realtors. I work both with homeowners, buying and selling their homes, and also work with investors and businesses on commercial properties here in central Kentucky. You can find me and research that over at davidhill.rhr.com. Reach out to me. Uh, give me a call. I'll be happy to discuss your real estate needs and questions. Now on to thoughts from a wild Labor Day week. And the week started at the beginning, which for me was on Tuesday, at the practice range out at Man of War, trying to get dialed in for my uh, the sea flight of my club championship tournament. And what happened? I cracked my driver right in the sweet spot, right in the middle of the face. There was a horizontal crack or tear in the, the uh, fiber metal material, and that was it. That is a fatal wound as far as drivers go. Um, and I'll tell you what else is wounding. Hitting 8 or 10 balls with a driver that's cracked that you don't know is cracked because the ball does absolutely crazy things. Uh, catching one that you think is on the sweet spot and watching it go out and duck hook vertically straight down after about 125 or 150 yards. Um, the ball, everything else is working. I was hitting just beautiful shots roughly where I was aiming on the range and then get to the big dog and it is, it looks like it's throwing wiffle balls and there's nothing that curves like a wiffle ball for all you washed up old backyard baseball players. Um, so yeah, so that happened. Um, it was a, it was an original Callaway Epic, the great big birth Epic from 2017. Um, you know, there had been rumors around the PGA tour that, uh, Callaway's clubs might've been running hot, that they might've been a little thin and were playing with fire with some, some tolerances for their spring-like effect. Now, Anybody that listened to this podcast know I'm not a gearhead, okay? Technology and um, training aids and clubs and reviews and things, that's not what we do here. I don't swing, but it was interesting to hear those rumors and have that background and see um, where my driver broke because I don't swing fast enough or hit the ball hard enough for it to be a sort of percussion injury. Um, you know, I don't miss hit it bad enough that it would, uh, hit it on some place that couldn't handle the stress of that either. And again, this was a crack right in the middle of the face. So, uh, must've been too many reps. Apparently I've become more range rat than I would care to admit. Um, but went today for a new one and we will uh, see about that. Uh, I'll talk to that in just a few moments. Um, but that left me to 
uh, carry on towards my club championship without a driver. Now, there are some reasons um, that I wanted to get this on record because I that would leave me playing a 5-wood. I don't hit a 3-wood. Uh, I do have a 5-wood. And that's, it's a little bit imposing thinking you're going to play in a tournament where they're going to post your score for you for the world to see having only hit a 3-wood. But it is the club championship for uh, the Gay Brewer Junior course at Picadome. And this is a special course. Um, and this gives me the opportunity to tell you a little bit about that course. Um, it is an old, old course. It is a gym. Um, it is short. It is narrow. It has tiny greens. It has you know narrow green complexes and surrounds. Um, it was initially a nine-hole course uh, built in 1929 by the, the golf pro Frank Adkins. It eventually was expanded to 18 uh, holes. It was originally a city course. The land uh, for the golf course was donated from uh, Beaumont Farm. Yes, that for those in Central Kentucky, that Beaumont, the one that includes the neighborhood that expands all the way out past uh, Man of War Boulevard at Harrodsburg Road, that farm was also uh, part of the property that housed what houses now. Uh, it was the same farm that had St. Joe and Picadome Golf Course on it. Um, so of all the courses that I was going to be playing, um, you know, the max, the blues, the tips at Picadome are just over 6,500 yards. This tournament was being played from the white tees, which scorecard yardage are under 5,900 yards. And this is par 72. Uh, course rating from the tips, I want to say 71-something probably 68 or 69 from the white. But that means at that distance, um, that playing with less than driver around there is not out of the question. Um, strategically, actually, there are several holes that driver just wouldn't work. So the idea of playing this round at Picadome was interesting to me. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought how unique Picadome is. This narrow Parkland course with Enough elevation change to be interesting, uh, to have some blind shots. You know, it's a place that I've learned to hit great recovery shots. Uh, your punch game gets strong uh, hitting around and under those big, tall, mature hardwoods and those sticky uh, white pines. It's unique in that it has five par fives and five par threes. Uh, it goes par 35-37, split between the front and the back. Um, you know, th those par fives, those are not, this is going to sound absolutely nuts, but those par fives are not all automatic driver holes. For instance, I have, I hook the ball. That's my miss. If I don't hit it straight, it's a, a draw or a 10 yard hook or worse. Um, you know, the, the occasional duck hook does fly in when I swing too hard and flip those hands at the bottom. So, um, you know, there's a the 17th hole. That I'd probably hit five wood anyway. Um, I can't get it up high over those trees. So, you know, this the strategy of how this would play out with not having my, my driver, as I thought about it more, just appealed to me. It's a, a course, as I mentioned, with tiny greens. Uh, they are Donald Ross-esque little push-up greens. And I say that because there's a story, there's a legend attached to it that I love. Kentucky has one Donald Ross 
uh, con- design a constructed course. It's here in Lexington. It's Idle Hour Country Club, uh, built in the 1920s. It is probably the best course in the state of Kentucky. Uh, it has been restored. It, it's a Ross that has undergone a Ron Pritchard uh, restoration. The architecture students among you will, will know both of those names, obviously. It's beautiful. It's hard. Uh, it is kept in immaculate condition. I've been uh, lucky enough to play it twice, and, and I'm just a, a huge fan. I tell you that to tell you this, that uh, the... You know, it's an older, you know, kind of blue blood course. About the time that uh, the owners of Beaumont Farm donated the land for Picadome was about the time that Idlauer was being constructed. And I think there's some evidence that Mr. Ross was on site, uh, maybe more so than, than he was at some other courses, uh, given who the clientele was. You know, we are the horse capital of the world. We had, at the time in the 1920s, we had not only the blue-blooded elite that were in the equestrian game, but we also had tobacco barons that lived here full-time. Anyway, uh, the legend goes that there are, the features of Picadome are ross influence, and, and some people like to imagine that he may have ghost-designed this. And, you know, this is the kind of, of rumor that I think Bradley Klein probably gets three or four times a week, if not more, uh, people wanting to impart some Ross wisdom onto their golf course. And he probably politely rolls his eyes, pats them on the head and says, yeah, that there's no evidence of that. What I would suspect have happened, given, you know, how rare golf courses were in this area then, that... You know, I doubt Ross designed this course, but I bet some of the uh, construction workers and foremen and material men and, and all were probably uh, shared across that crew. The, the timing would sync up and it would make sense. So it's a golf course that has these neat little subtle intricate features. Um, you can't short side yourself, which is true at a lot of Ross courses. The, the bunker and green shapings would fit for that time period. So... Uh, it's a course that I dearly love. It's the first place I could call my home course. And it's one that I've always considered, and I, there's no reason other than just ego uh, that I haven't done this before, but just going out and playing without a driver. Um, I had a couple of friends reach out to me uh, very generously, very graciously, and offered uh, to let me, they knew I was playing in this this tournament this weekend, they offered to let me borrow their driver this weekend. And I gave it I gave it some thought, but... The more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know what, I should do this. I should go out and play a competitive round with less than driver, test the old, uh, there's the old wisdom that uh, a lot of amateur golfers would be better off um, hitting their three wood or, or less than driver uh, because of the wildness or swing flaws. You know, that, that runs up against this the age we live in now where everything in instruction, everything at the high level amateur game the professional game is on the men's side anyways distance it's swing speed it's bomb it as far down as you can there's always a trade-off for distance and accuracy and all of the statisticians say that distance wins out that they've got clear evidence that it wins out and i don't doubt that i i don't care enough to try to verify or challenge the results of their data i just know that this course is short there's trouble that will wreck your scorecard, uh, and it was going to be a fun challenge. So 
I say all of that to say, uh, to set up the fact that I went out and competed and tried hard. And the upshot of the weekend was I hung up a pair of 83s, one each day, and the driver was not what cost me strokes. Not even close. The, what I took away from this weekend is I desperately need to practice my putting because I had some atrocious three putts uh, that were just inexcusable and some bad chips, which were uncharacteristic for me. So shooting 83 on that golf course from the white tees is basically playing to my handicap index plus a couple of three putts plus a lost ball. One lost ball. I, I wiped one on the toe from the third tee that I, I don't know that that ball has landed. I don't know where it will, would have landed, um, probably in the wildflowers in the creek beds, but we were facing into the sun and I just popped one up and never to be seen again. And my guys, the, the guys in my group were looking, they were nice guys. They were fun to play with. Um, but that was, that was that. Um, so yeah, there were looking back in retrospect, trying to do a autopsy on my rounds there were probably four holes a day that I would have liked to have had driver that I probably might could have saved myself half a stroke or a stroke. Um, but you know, walking at the, the end of my 36 holes of the weekend, there were some tired swings. And, uh, if there were tired swings of the five wood, they would have been tired swings with the driver too. Um, you know, a number 18 is a straightaway ish par five. So of course I tried to rear back and, give it everything I had on both days, I would have done that with the driver too. And the results would have, the results would have been just as disastrous as they were. So you scramble and you make a par as best you can. What I took away, you know, I'd had the feeling before as I finished the 36 holes and, and thought, okay, what did I just do? What did I just go through? What I found is it felt an awful lot like, um, I played in the Kentucky State Mid-Am at Traditions a couple of years ago. A beautiful golf course that I'm very fond of. My best friend's a member there. Um, so I've played it a couple of times. That's a tournament we played from the tips, probably about 7,000 yards, somewhere in that neighborhood, which is too long for me. I'm first to admit that. But it wasn't so much, here's what I felt. It was my experience this weekend and my experience back then in the Mid-Am. If I focused and did my fundamentals and, and did my technique correctly, I could keep up with the other guys in the field. I wasn't going to be longer than hardly anybody unless they miss hit it. But if I hit a good drive in the fairway, I was going to have a shot at par. I was going to have a shot, legitimate shot at reaching the green pretty much every single green. That was, was how that game was played. Where I got in trouble then and now was that when I lost focus when I tried to hit it hard when I tried to hit the golf ball hard when I tried to swing hard terrible results come in that that psychological need to squeeze out five or ten more yards when I should know better cost me every time there there is no there is no satisfaction in chasing the adrenaline uh, because that's when I get tense. That's when the, the grip gets a little tough and bad things happen. And then every par four or long par four and every par five becomes at least a three shot hole. 
and you're you're scrambling to try to keep up and eventually you just bleed shots or at least i do that's what happened um, some of my best shots some of the things i'll remember were recovery shots where i had great up and downs but um, it's not a way to score but you, you can survive on a short golf course with less than driver was my takeaway uh, which you know there's some good and some bad there it's not something I'm going to make a habit of. I went today and got fitted for a new driver. Uh, but I'm glad I did it the way I did it. I'm glad I had that experience. And hey, I finished third out of 13 in my flight uh, with those 283s. So I'm relatively happy. I'm, I finished in the money. And I can say um, that I did it with a five wood, which was funny that the uh, just as a, a nice humility sign a reminder that no one cares what you shoot or how you do it uh, i i think on the 16th hole both days was when my plane partners realized that i hadn't been hitting a driver that i didn't even carry one all day so that was that was kind of nice uh, a nice reminder that they don't care they're playing their own game i should be playing my own game too uh, as i mentioned so Having that as the backdrop, after playing uh, walking 18 each day this weekend, I went today for Labor Day and got fitted for uh, a driver for the third time in my life. Uh, the first one was a groomsman gift back in 2011. I ended up with a, a Titleist 910D, uh, which fit me at the time. Uh, four years ago, I got that Epic, the one that broke this week. Uh, and both of these were old school fittings, me and my teaching pro hitting balls, outside on the range no track man no launch monitor just feel sight flight and sound you know we went through different head and shaft combinations until we found one we both agreed was was probably the best thing for me uh, the only time i've hit i guess balls on a track man twice um, one was last summer i went and got fit for irons at club champion up in cincinnati I actually won a fitting uh, so i went through their process of felt like dozens of heads and shaft combinations and that is all track men doing because it's indoors in a bay um you know their shop is in a strip mall uh in on the north of cincinnati and you know it's nice and there's there's an addictive quality to that data you know none of my lessons i've been taking lessons for five or six years now and it's all sometimes there's camera work in the winter or if my pro needs to make a point but um it's all discussion and drills and, and work on technique. It is not uh, track man data driven, which is which appeals to me. Um, but going through that club champion fitting where they print you out the data and they show you uh, what you did with each club and each head and your speeds and your carry distances and your your variances right and left and all that man it is you can get addicted to that data. I found that out very quickly. I have an addictive personality anyway. So I've got to be careful with that stuff because otherwise I will just go way down in the rabbit hole chasing the, the numbers. Um, so that was that experience. And also for the aforementioned Magic 5 Wood that I played with this weekend, that was a Trackman fitting. Uh, with out at Man of War, outdoors hitting balls on the Trackman, and I went in to get a new 3 Wood. And the data said that I was hitting the, I was de-lofting the club so much that I was hitting a three wood with driver loft. So that's why how I ended up in a, a five wood uh, at that time. And I like it. It's it's a good club. Um, obviously, I've got some confidence in it to go out and try what I did this weekend. 
And I ended up, uh, because I listened to the data and I trusted the, the guy that was doing the fitted, I was one of, I think, three people on the entire planet that ended up and I bought a Callaway Steelhead XR5 wood. Now, for you old timers that might remember it, no, this is not the club from like 2002 or the late 90s, that Steelhead line. This is something different. They re-released it back in, I don't know, 2016 or 2018, somewhere around there. Uh, so it's not an antique club. Get off my back before it even gets started. Um, but those were my TrackMan experiences. So heading in today to today, I'd never done a driver fitting. And I've got to confess, I was nervous. I don't know why. The instructor wasn't going to care what I did. Uh, the machine wasn't going to care what I did. But I had some nervous energy. I don't know if it's just because a new driver is a significant investment. I mean, that's a, a pretty good chunk of change. Um, if it was just ego or what. But I was paired. It was out at Manowar Golf here in Lexington, which is, a again, a world-class fitting and practice facility, uh, instructions, short game area, all of it. It's a wonderful place. And I was with their most experienced uh, uh, pro. Uh, Brad Bashant is, he has been there. I don't know if he's been there since the beginning, but it, it seems like he's been there as long as I've been going there. He's their head pro. He's their general manager. He's probably fit untold thousands of people for golf clubs over the years. And he was out, it was a track man fitting with him. So I was in good hands and I was in front of good eyes. And as it turns out, it was it was a productive session. I learned a lot about myself. Uh, first, the, those nerves were real. Uh, the f I know they were real because the first 10 minutes of the fitting were a complete crap show. Just an utter waste of time. I was that the nerves turned into tension, which led to me trying to kill the ball, squeezing the club too hard, trying to swing too fast. Um, probably because it was on record. It was. He was going to be able to see what my, he was going to look under my kilt. Uh, I mean, he was going to see what my swing speed was. And that's, there shouldn't be, but there's something intimidating about that. Uh, so that was a waste of time. And then after I'd worked up a good lather and kind of realized, okay, I need a hard reset here. I'm just going to bunt a few out there. Um, I was going to, I realized I'd been strangling the club. So light grip pressure. Just gonna quote slow everything down unquote and just start hitting some golf balls well what happened when i did that what always happens i started striping the ball started hitting real golf shots um i started hitting the ball great and here's what i learned he was that what he was able to share with me i hit up on the ball a lot with the driver i didn't know that about myself i've got a rather piercing ball flight at best okay uh, I worry about long carries not because I'm a short hitter but because I just don't carry it very far I don't hit it real high but uh, he explained that I, I do in fact hit up on the ball quite a bit with the driver so that was fun to find out I'm still not going to be able to hit moon shots because of a lot of the other things I'm going to mention here briefly but uh, apparently for driving the golf ball that's good so I'll take, stick that in my pocket and take it apparently I also hit drives with extremely low spin I didn't know this about myself because I can slice and duck hook uh, the bejesus out of the ball. But what this refers to is not the side spin, but is the backspin. And apparently I have a really low backspin on my drives, which is good for distance and accuracy. Um, it created an issue with one of the drivers. I tried one of the ones I tried was the Callaway Maverick, 
which is apparently a low spin driver, uh, just as a, as part of its DNA. Well, with a couple of those and you gear guys and you tech guys will appreciate this with those. I had a whole series of swings where I was averaging about 1100 RPMs. Um, that is a veritable knuckleball, uh, with almost no spin for, for drivers. Problem was they weren't getting high enough. Uh, they were so low spin that I couldn't get them above the, the tree line horizon. So they just weren't going there. They were just dropping out of the sky essentially. And that is not exactly the ball flight that I wanted. Um, but uh, we found something that, that could work with that. My club head speed was better than I thought. Uh, when I strained and tried to murder the ball, those tension field nothing swings were down in the low 90s, which is disappointing. But uh, after I sort of did my reset and, and started lightening up, when I tried to slow my body down, my club head speed got faster. It's funny how golf works like that. So I was up around 100 miles an hour for the, the rest of the fitting, which um, I enjoyed. That's nice to hear. It's also motivating for me to continue on and get serious with my speed work. The fact that I've been in the gym once in six months because it's been closed due to COVID-related concerns. I'll take that. I'm happy with that. Um, the other thing that I learned about myself, the not-so-fun thing, I learned that despite the fact I've recently started hitting the ball probably as straight as ever with my irons, I've not necessarily been able to translate that to the driver. How how not? Why? What was the issue? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, for the entire session, I averaged hitting the ball from 14 degrees inside to out. That's To put that in baseball terms means I was swinging to right field by 14 degrees from the inside to the out. I was basically swinging from my right hip pocket to the ball and expecting it to go straight instead of being a big block right. Or how do you avoid the big block? You flip your hands. You skip the stones at the bottom. Yes, I have a world-class stone skipping throw. Uh, and that translates lovely into my golf swing. So that's something I've got to still work on with my pro. Just hearing that number, um, hear, seeing it in data that... Brad almost fell down laughing when I had told him my thoughts. He's like, oh, yeah, my, my teaching pro, Mike, he, he thinks I'm probably probably seven degrees in to out, and we're trying to work on that, and he almost fell over because the number was double that. Oh, well, you, you throw all of that together, and what does it mean? It means I was carrying the ball about 235 or 240 yards and having it roll out to about 290, um, which was that caught me off guard. Uh, it was nice to hear. I don't know in our... Uh, water-soaked bent grass fairways if I can pull that off on an actual golf course but it was nice for today uh, regardless uh, the pro and I we chatted afterwards and w about what his recommendation was and it was an easy sell because the computer backed up what he said which backed up what I saw and felt myself so there was complete agreement uh, which is the good news the bad news is it's supposed to get it. If it gets here by October 1st, everyone will be shocked, which to me means if I see it by Columbus day, I ought to count my lucky stars. That's okay. I don't have anything big on the horizon. There are a couple of tournaments, but, um, nothing that I consider major because we've already got our golf trips out of the way for the year. Uh, it's been the last piece I want to briefly mention today is that it's been about a month since our big guys get away golf trip. Uh, and that's usually when the itch starts. 
uh, take a little sabbatical, don't play and practice as much. And then uh, now's about the time I start thinking about the next year's trip. Uh, I desperately want to start peppering my guys with questions about where their preferences are for where we go next year, what everybody's budget is. Um, you know, I've, I can create a whole array of survey monkey questions, to start sampling everybody's preferences, but I'm holding off. Uh, you know, that's supposed to be a wintertime activity, but I did get into a debate last week with a couple of my friends on the, the merits of two golf courses compared to each other. Uh, Arcadia Bluffs versus Tobacco Road, two of the, probably the best um, examples of maximalism maybe in our golf architecture over the last 30 years. Uh, two courses that um, are obviously man-made, constructed, and they're big and brawny. Um, and they have they they both have different characteristics that different types of golfers would prefer. And this is all that was. When you say that pointless, uh, just kind of discussion point. Here's how I see it. How do you see it? And fun things that golf gives rise to. But it did get me thinking about destination golf. So. That and combined with watching the U.S. Amateur amateur uh, at Bandon Dunes on TV in primetime, those those got me wondering about destination golf again. It had me thinking through the things like what is our is our group ready to break through a, a, a threshold cost barrier that we've had? Is 2021 the year that we all get on a plane to go somewhere because that opens up whole new possibilities if you take things just out of exclusive driving range? So. Um, Lots of daydreams that that special form of escapism, really that only golf provides, um, has taken root and started to grow again. So that bug is back, which which makes it a fun time. So anyway, that was the wild weekend, the club championship in golf. A pair of eighty threes with the five wood. Uh, I'll take that. It's not my best work, but it's certainly not my worst. And with that, I thank you for stopping by another short game session of the Blind Shots podcast. Hope you enjoyed what you heard here. If you didn't enjoy it, I'm sorry. You've already listened to it. There's nothing I can do about it now, but I will try to do better the next time. Uh, speaking of next time, I have several things in the work that I'm I'm really excited about. Uh, some long-form storytelling uh, that I'm happy to present. I've got a couple of more interviews that I need to conduct to be able to kind of put that and produce it and put it all together in a way that makes sense. Um, also got a handful more of the Americans in Pinehurst series coming up. That was a really fun uh, remembrance on those courses. So I've got several more of those. So I hope you enjoyed those because more are coming. Uh, either Whether you liked it or not, either way, please be safe out there. Be smart. I hope you're doing what you can to stay sane. Uh, if you do get onto the golf course, for the love of God, just for me, do me this favor. Pull driver. I, don't, I can't do that. I can't do it for at least another month, maybe six weeks, might be two months. So take take on the risk. Take the chance. Pull driver, hit it, then double down. Decide to go for it. Hit that shot and take dead aim. And we're off. Didn't even bother pulling five wood on the first hole. Shot the laser. Just hit a nice, easy hybrid. Avoided the trouble. Left middle of the fairway. It's fantastic.
first swing with the five wood from a tee. It's on a hole I would have pulled it anyway. Toe wiped it so bad I had to hit a provisional. I'm pretty sure I made it into the creek that is just full of ragweed blossom, but I couldn't swear to it. It's a good start. Confidence inspired me. We are scrambling, scrambling, scrambling. Two good par fours and two hooks. Not snaps, not rope hooks or duck hooks, just two good hooks that are magically still in play. Best one of the day on, from number 10 T. So basically I just needed nine holes warming up. Here we go.